Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome. This is uh, Fazia Costi, and today we have Dr. Sarah Bald, and we are doing a segment on the parenting pulse on motivation. Um, you know, what is motivation? How does somebody lack motivation? How does somebody have motivation? So we're going to have answers to some of these questions as we talk, as Dr. Sarah Bald and I talk, and we are missing uh, Dana today, but uh, Dana Lamb will join us next time. So if you have any questions for Dana, feel free to let me know about that. But today, Dr. Sarah Bald and I will be talking about motivation. And uh, so welcome to the show, Dr. Bald. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm starting to love this segment more and more each month as we do it. So I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm really glad to hear that. I, I, I want to talk about motivation today because motivation is one of those things that, you know, I, I think you're, you have it intrinsically or um, you have to have things outside of yourself to motivate you. And a lot of people tend to rely on external motivation. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what motivation is and how we can motivate our children and maybe even talk a little bit about the perspective of the parent, the child, as well as the teacher. Um, so let's go ahead and start with, you know, a definition of motivation. How would you, um, as a psychologist, how would you define motivation? Oh, gosh, there's so many different ways to define motivation. Um, I, I think of it as your drive to do something, the, the driving force behind who you are, what you do, and the effort you put into your tasks. Now, is that the textbook definition of it? Probably not. But when I think about motivation in the sessions, when I'm with people, I think of what is the driving force behind you? What is propelling you into the goals you're trying to achieve? Thank you for that. I, you know, when I think of motivation, I, I think back to when I was a kid, you know, specifically like 14 years old, and we used to go to this place in Wisconsin to go camping off Lake Superior. And every year, my dad would get us these cabins on the lake, and we would have boats and fishing rods and I really like to spend time alone. I'm, I'm very much an introvert. And so the motivation for me was getting up at 5 a.m. to go fishing by myself so that I could have time alone. And so whenever I think of the definition of motivation, I'm like, as a teenager, I can't think of any teenager that wants to get up at 5 a.m. But for me to spend time alone for an hour or two, that was motivation. And, and if you think about it, that that defines motivation. That is, in, for me, that's the ultimate motivation. I got to go out in nature and spend time alone for an hour or two, came back, had some fish, you know, and it, it was great. It was a win-win situation. <laughs> I don't think anything so, ever motivated me, motivated me to be awake before 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's an interesting concept because when I was in college, you know, getting up early to go to class, it, it wasn't the motivation because I really, really got excited about the class. The ultimate goal was getting that degree, right? 
So that was the motivation. So I think motivation is different for everybody and, and everything motivates us differently. There, there's things that motivate, yeah, there's things that motivate us in our personal lives. There's things that motivate us in our professional lives. And there's things that motivate us in our, you know, educational life or public life, whatever that might be. So, um, yeah, so I find it a very fascinating topic. Um, recently, in the past few years, we've had a lot of uh, issues with COVID. You know, kids are staying home from school. They have to wear masks. Um, they have to do online learning. And it's just been chaos for kids. I mean, it's just going back and forth between, you know, the online learning, in-person learning, wearing masks, not wearing masks. And I think it's just so chaotic that it's easy for them to lose their motivation. Um, So I would love to chat a little bit about, you know, how we can help students gain that motivation back, how we can help parents support that and help them gain their motivation back. And also teachers in the classroom, how can we get these students motivated when they're in the classroom, whether they're online or whether they're in the actual physical classroom, what can we do um, to make sure that, these kids have the motivation that they need because they don't all have that internal motivation. Yeah. And I think it's important too, to, to point out that burnout is a very real thing in our society right now. We're all over this pandemic. If you aren't, I'm sorry, I just generalized you with the rest of us, but I think we're all, (laughs) we're all burnt out on this and burnout makes it very difficult to find a motivation at this point. Most people are asking themselves, why do I try? Why do I do this? Why bother? Um, because we're just, we're done with it. So motivation right now is going to be much trickier conversation than it otherwise normally would be. Uh, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you're seeing that maybe kind of take away motivation. You were talking about burnout. What are some of the other things that you're seeing right now in your practice that maybe is is kind of just taking the joy out of life, taking that motivation away from from individuals? I think with the pandemic, that lack of social interaction is is having a big part on it. Being confined to our houses, we're social creatures. We're meant to talk. We're meant to interact with each other. So, that, and that looks different behind a screen. You don't get the same interaction. You don't get the same relationship as you do in person when you're over a screen. So, I think the social isolation is playing into it. And at the beginning of the new year, what I see is a lot of people by, what is it, you know, first week in February, a lot of people have not held up their New Year's resolutions, uh, which could create some <laughs> motivation, some negative self-talk, um, some self-deprecating potentially of, oh, I can't I hold up my resolutions. Um, it's partially because <laughs> that resolution wasn't properly set um, when we talk about yeah. setting. Uh, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say things like, you know, I, I can't do anything. And it's not that they can't do anything. It's that the goal wasn't set properly for them. Correct. Yep. And it's hard to set goals. We we have big plans for ourselves and, and social media doesn't help of what we're supposed to be. You know, I, I don't know if I've harped on it here, but the shoulds are what get me. I should look like this. I should be doing this. I should have the perfect life. I should be this perfect parent because we forget that social media isn't real. Um, so we set these <laughs> absolutely unattainable goals and then get upset when we don't meet them. Right, right. 
You know, I, I think that's a, that's a very real problem. Uh, social media is definitely something that I recommend um, limiting. And I, I noticed mm-hmm. um, kids that are on social media less often just appear happier. They feel happier. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's important to note. Yeah. And I, re- I read an interesting study. So it's not at all what I thought. So I read this study. And it was about social media use and depression in teenagers. Now, what you would think is that teenage depression increases with social media use, right? Because I'm seeing all these things I should be. I'm seeing the perfect life. um, And so I'm becoming depressed because of what I'm being exposed to. The research Mm -hmm. is interesting. It actually shows that increased depression leads to increased social media use. So kids who have depression are more likely to use social media than those who don't. It's totally counterintuitive. That, it's not at all what I would have predicted. That is a very interesting study. You know, um, we're having, um, we have somebody writing an article on that for the magazine, actually. Uh, the one, our April article, I'm going to look to see if I can find the title here of the actual article. Um, yeah, for, for April, it's social media and its correlation to anxiety and depression. Oh, Yes, so that should be a really cool um, article to read. Um, and by the way, if you have not uh, subscribed to our magazine yet, uh, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com and, and take care of that. We've got some really awesome articles coming up. Um, and I don't know, are you are you writing an article for our next magazine? Uh, you texted me and asked me to, and I will likely write one. It's been a crazy okay. month with any more. Um, I'm wiggling. All right. So if I don't show this one, I will write one for next one. But okay. Yeah, I just thought if you're if you're going to do it today would be the good day a good day to plug it. But if not, that's okay. We can catch it in the next issue. Well, if uh, anybody no pressure. Has anything they want to see an article on, write us, and I will write something about it. Oh, that is quite the invitation. So you right. you heard Dr. Sarah Bald. Give her a topic, and she will write about it. Um, I, I think that's a fantastic uh, idea, actually. So you can email that um, to me at Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com, or you can go to the website and email me through the website. At the very bottom, there's a tab that says contact, uh, contact us. So the website's executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Um, so Dr. Bald, let's talk a little bit more about motivation. We were talking about goals. Do you think goals um, are important in everyday life? Um, or, I mean, my perspective is it's nice to have goals, but if they're not done well, they end up actually backfiring, kind of like New Year's resolutions. They end up actually kind of damaging your self-esteem a little bit and your self-confidence. How do you oh, feel absolutely. about that? absolutely. Yeah, goals can very quickly backfire if they're not thought through properly and, and executed. I mean, when I think about goal setting, usually we set these goals that are completely unachievable for ourselves. They're ill-defined, so there's no real definition to it. I think of goals like, well, I want to lose weight. Okay. What does that look like? What does that mean to you? I mean, that's a big New Year's resolution one. I want to be right, or I want to be less anxious. Well, that's not a very well-defined goal, and so it's hard to achieve a goal without a right. definition. Well, I, I think you have to have not only a definition, but a plan and then a way to execute it. And if you don't have all of those things 
lined up, um, it, it's not going to work. Like, um, okay, great. You want to lose weight. Fantastic. How do you want to lose weight? Well, I'm going to lose two pounds a week. Great. That's, a, that's an excellent goal. How will you do that? Okay, I'm going to join one of these Weight Watcher groups or um, I forget what the other ones are, Nutrisystem or whatever, whatever weight, weight loss program there is out there. Um, and, and then, you, you know, you want to execute it by, you know, joining that group and having the support and, and actually monitoring your weight from week to week. So I think there's, there's definitely a way to do it, but you have to have a way of executing that plan. If just saying, I want to lose weight, <laughs> fantastic. I've been saying that for a few years now. There's, <laughs> there's no goal in mind. <laughs> Guess what? Nothing's happened. <laughs> so, right. Surprise. Well, I'm a fan too of chunking the goal into much smaller goals. Um, so not just having, you know, by summer, I want to be bikini ready, but you know, this week I'm going to swap out one meal for a salad or a healthy choice. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to go for, take the dog for an extra long walk one day this week. And then when I achieve that, great. Right. And then next week I can set a new goal. That's I'm going to do two nights a week where I'm taking the dog for an extra long walk, setting small right. achievable goals each week that in the long term will likely lead you to that, you know, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you could start off with, I'm going to reduce my calories by 300 calories per day or take that extra walk or take that extra salad or whatever. You're right. Whatever you decide to do, it has to be in increments. It can't all be at one time. Absolutely. I think it says something about us that we stuck with the weight loss one. <laughs> I, I, well, I think we stuck with it because it's such a common issue. So I mean, common. seriously, as Americans, we're generally overweight. Yeah. Um, well, because not only well, we love our food, right? And my daughter says we love our food. Yeah, you know, yep. my daughter actually told me this morning. She goes, "I realized why you and Nana are such good cooks. It's not because for any other reason other than you love to eat." <laughs> and I said, yep. "You're right. I do love to eat, and that is a really good reason to be a good cook. <laughs> Downside is I'm a good cook, so I like to eat, and so I'm probably going to eat more." <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's definitely an issue, but I, I think I think now that we've kind of defined motivation a little yeah. bit, and we feel like we have a good understanding of of what that is, um, I'd like to maybe come back after. We're going to take a break here in a few minutes, and when we come back after the break, I'd like to talk a little bit about how you know the parents' perspective child's perspective and the teacher's perspective uh, come together and how we can support um, children and, and maybe even parents and teachers in reaching those, those goals and helping them stay motivated, not only in realizing what their goals should be, but how to kind of keep, keep that track and, and, and chunk their, their goals so that they ultimately reach a, uh, a place where they're motivated and they're not burnt out and, and that they have, you know, future plans. I think that's really important. So, and that's Sarah well, nodding her head, sorry. <laughs> which doesn't I, work in radio. <laughs> it is not. Uh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. <laughs> You're funny. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, give everybody your contact information 
and then um, we'll, you know, and we'll go ahead and go ahead and start with that. Awesome. Yep. I'm Dr. Sarah Bald. I'm the owner and lead psych of Nest Psychological. Um, you can reach me via my website of contact form, nestpsychaz.com. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can go directly to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And on that website, you can get in touch with me through the contact tab at the very bottom. You can send me an email. You can subscribe to our magazine, Executive Function Magazine. Um, that is at the top. There's a tab there you can click on um, to subscribe. You can also go on our radio tab and listen to any of our uh, past podcasts, or you can listen to current shows. And you can also go to the YouTube channel and see past videos that um, I've created or other professionals who I've worked with have created as well. Um, It's just a wealth of information that we offer you um, at no cost. So I really hope that you take advantage of it and look at everything that we offer you. Uh, we provide just absolute wonderful advice, recommendations, expertise from professionals um, that are top of their field, and we hope that you'll take advantage and, and listen to their recommendations and guidance and expertise so that you can have a better life and um, create success in your life. Uh, one of the um, things that I'd like to also talk about today is I wanted to thank, some, just kind of thank some of the listeners that we've had uh, from Australia, Ireland, Japan, Pakistan, China, from all over the world. We really appreciate your listening. And if you like our show, please make sure that you go to our podcast, give it a five-star rating and share it with your friends and family. That's the only way that we can grow. So uh, we would love it if you could take care of that for us as well. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer in the next Parenting Pulse, or if you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about, uh, you can go once again to my website and send me an email and let me know what topic you'd like us to talk about. Let me know um, what topic you'd like Dr. Sarah Bald to write about in the magazine. I think that was a wonderful offer that she made. So <laughs> we would love to, love to share that um, article with you. And um, if you'd like an, um, a copy of a previous um, magazine, um, our, our first volume went out January 10th. So you'd like a, a copy of that, you can email me and, and just request volume one of Executive Function Magazine, and I'd be happy to email that back to you. And we will be back after these messages. We do have a new format. So we are now taking two breaks during Parenting Pulse. So we'll be back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fozzie Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Fozzie works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Today we have Dr. Sarah Bald um, on our Parenting Pulse segment on motivation. So welcome back, Dr. Bald. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm I'm really um, interested in this topic because uh, we've had so many, uh, well, I've had so many clients that have come to me recently who just lack motivation. They just kind of just seem like they're stuck. They don't seem to know which direction they're going. They seem to, like, like what you talked about earlier, they just seem to be burnt out. They kind of lack that social interaction that they need in life. Um, their goals aren't really clear. They're not, you know, they're not really set as to, you know, what they want. And so, and I don't think it's specific just to students. I think some of it is um, really um, specific to parents and as well as teachers. And I think we just had Dana Lamb join us. I'm going to just take a second and welcome her in. Welcome, Dana. I'm so glad you could make it. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, we're talking about motivation today and Dr. Sarah Bald is with us as well. Uh, We have um, completed the first section of our um, recording today. Uh, We started talking a little bit about what motivation is and how, you know, motivation impacts kids. And so now we're talking about how, you know, motivation is an issue for children and what we can do about it and what we can do to help parents, children, and maybe even teachers improve their motivation and how parents and teachers can help children improve their motivation. So, Um, And I know that um, Dr. Sarah Bald has had quite a bit of work done on this. um, She's been doing quite a bit of work on this topic with uh, her clients in the last few weeks. So, um, Dr. Bald, do you have anything you'd like to start with? Uh, Well, I always like to start with the parenting and the kids stuff because that's my area of expertise. Um, I think what I've noticed, what I've seen the most I've, throughout the course of my career as well, especially in the last few months, though, um, is do parents understand the motivation style of their child or are they expecting their child to have their own motivation style? Because there's very different types of motivation. And if, say, I am intrinsically motivated, I want to do good for the better of humanity then I would expect everyone to be that way. And that's not always the case. So when we have a parent who thinks, well, I do hard work because it feels good, they might have a kid who, it doesn't feel good to do hard work. Maybe they're extrinsically motivated by video games. Uh, Maybe they're motivated by avoiding behaviors, avoiding attention, gaining attention. You know, there's lots of different ways that they might be motivated and parents are expecting them to have a motivation that's not matched to the child. Um, that's where I see a lot of breakdown in families. 
Absolutely. So Dana, um, I know you have two um, young adult sons. How do you motivate your children? Well, it's really interesting, and I can completely um, relate to um, what Dr. Sarabal was saying, because um, um, as you know, uh, one of my sons is neurotypical and one is not. My younger son uh, has autism. He is very high functioning. He has Asper, you know, Asperger's. So I would tell people that it's like, he's like, think of him like Elon Musk. I was just reading, um, he was just Times Person of the Year. And, and they were saying, you know, a lot of people don't like him because he's, he's very dishonest and tells people if he's, you know, disappointed in you, doesn't like what you've done, he just, you know, tells you. And so that's, that's where he's at. You know, I mean, he, he's completely, you know, self-sufficient and independent, but Growing up, it was very, very difficult, and we didn't know he had autism until he was 15, so quite a bit older, even though I took him to a lot of different therapists. Um, my older son um, was motivated by, um, by reward, and so we could, if he wanted something you know, we could dangle the carrot in front of him, you know, hey, if you do your homework or you get A's this is what you'll get. And we could track that, you know, with him, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, you know, we could, we could set a goal, uh, kind of goal setting worked with him and, and progress. But with Harrison, um, that didn't work. And so then you think, okay, well, if, if uh, the, you know, positive motivation or setting a goal and, and, you know, achieving, achieving that doesn't work maybe punishment, you know, will work. Like, if you don't do this, you will lose your gaming privileges because he loves video games. That didn't work either. So it was very challenging. What do you do with a kid that, you know, neither punishment nor reward motivates them or inspires him? And Mm -hmm. what he would do (laughs) is he would just go, um, he would just go in his room and go to bed. So if he... If we, if I took away any of his things, um, you know, he would just go to sleep and literally he would sleep for like 24 hours straight. If I, if I let him, like almost he would go into this depression and just shut down. And then when you don't know what, um, what to do with that, it could be really, really challenging. And now, I mean, knowing, and had we known earlier that he was on the spectrum, it probably would have, you know, we could have probably come to a solution earlier. Um, and I don't know what I would have done when he was younger, but now that he's older, we can, uh, I can reason with him and talk to him because he is, you know, highly intelligent. I, I basically, you know, talk to him more about, I'll ask him questions mm-hmm. and say, well, or what I, sometimes I'll even say, well, if, if, um, if, uh, you were the child you know, uh, or if, I'm sorry, if I were the child and I were doing what you were doing and you were the parent, you know, what would you do in that instance? And try to let him think about, you know, what what he would do in that instance. And then allowing him to have some control in that <laughs> interestingly works. And, and I don't know if that would work with all kids in, in his situation, but you know, just like Dr. Bob was saying, you have to, every kid is completely different and more than likely they're probably not like you are. <laughs> and you, you really just sure. through trial and error, I think, have to find 
what works for your, your kid. And a lot of times it's really interesting as a parent, um, if you don't have a professional, you know, helping you, it, it, and even sometimes we, you know, having a professional, you know, every kid's different. And if you're not around them when these things come up, um, you know, you may not know. And so I would get all kinds of unsolicited advice from other parents who thought they, you know, knew better, which was sometimes challenging too, to, to deal right. with. And, and I think as a parent, you just have to keep trying different things until you find what motivates your child. Right, right. No, I, I like that, you know, keep trying until you find what motivates them. That's, that's a really good way of doing it. Uh, I would love to chat a little bit. So we've talked a little bit about the child and how you, you as a parent would potentially help them find their motivation. What about uh, teachers? You know, do teachers ever come to you and say, hey, you know, I don't know what motivates your child. I know when my daughter was in first grade or second grade, actually, her teacher came to me and said, um, you know, your child, I can't, motiv- I can't motivate her to do anything. If she doesn't want to do something, she just doesn't do it. And, you know, she tried candy and she tried stickers and, you know, she tried all the, you know, extra recess time. She tried all these different things and nothing worked for her. And she came to me and asked me what I did. And I said, you know, to be quite frank, I I don't do anything. I just tried to talk to her and see what it is she wants to do. And then I kind of help her set a goal, even in second grade. And then she's completely intrinsically motivated and I don't have to do anything. But I also know that that's not the case with most kids. So you have some pretty you? smart kids. So I could see I could see your kids being like that. Now that yeah. I've, I've met one of them, I could you know that <laughs> internal motivation is yes. Yeah, it, it, yeah. There there is no external anything with her. I mean, you could offer her the moon, the sun, and everything in between, and she'd say, "No, nope, not what I want to do." Um, she'd just walk away. Uh, but if it's something she wants, nothing's going to stop her either. Right. You know, so, and that's, I think that's the really important thing. I like, I like Dana, how you, you really talk to Harrison. I, I think that's really important is just to help them figure out what motivates them. And then right. it makes your job easier in the long time, in the long term. Mm-hmm. So what do we, what can we do for parents who, have teachers telling them, well, what, what can I do to help your child motivate, you know, what can I do to motivate your child at school? What are some tips and, and, and uh, tricks that you've used in, in school or what, what are some things that you um, would recommend maybe for a teacher to use? Well, I mean, that homeschool communication is key. If there's something that works in your house, don't, don't be afraid to communicate that to the teacher. Now, is the teacher always going to be receptive? Not always. Um, but if there's something that you get your child and you're like, yep, this, no matter what happens, if I say this or if I do this, Timmy's going to do it. Um, Don't hesitate to communicate to that to the teacher. It could be when I think of, I do what's called a functional behavior assessment, um, which is how you look at motivation in the schools. Right. And you can chalk it up to, is the child trying to escape a task? And I think of this as negative behaviors, but it can be done even with kids who have positive behaviors. Are the positive behaviors because they're trying to escape a task? Are they trying to gain your attention? Are they trying to avoid your attention? Um, Are they trying to seek out something? Are they trying to get something? Do they just want to perform well? 
um, mm-hmm. figuring out which of those functions, their behavior is motivating them is really important. And, and having it consistent across environments is also very important. So if we know that something works in one environment, if we can replicate it at home and at school, the expectation is going to be the same for the child. The child's then going to feel so much more successful because mm-hmm. of that. I agree. Definitely. Um, do you have any um, examples of how you ask your your clients to set goals and or maybe work with the teachers or maybe have, you know, that better communication between a parent, teacher, and a child? So there's two really good questions in there. There's how do we set goals and how do we communicate? Um, mm-hmm. When I think about setting goals, you know, <laughs> I'm sure I have, there are going to be audience members who roll their eyes at this, but something that's talked about a lot as far as the schools go is something called SMART goals. Um, are your goals, oh gosh, I'm not going to remember the acronym now, even though I went over it earlier today. Um, <laughs> specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time something. I don't remember what the T is. But it's, is there a time limit to it? Is, is there a time that we're going to go through with this? Um, so making sure the, the goal you set is all of those things. It's very specific. This is exactly what we want to achieve. It is measurable. This is how we're going to measure it. It's possible. Um, Can you walk us through a goal, like step by step? Yeah. Um, give me a topic. Um, doing homework at... In the yeah. evenings. I don't yeah. know. Would that be appropriate? No? Yeah. It's a hard one. Okay. <laughs> For that that's one, the one I, I normally have an issue with. Right? Most of my Normal. students, you know, they, yeah, that's a big issue. Yeah. That's when I'm like, go see Fazia. She's going to do homework <laughs> with you. And then parents are out of the picture. So you don't have an argument. <laughs> yeah. I don't do homework with anybody. <laughs> oh, darn. I have, Good try, know, I have homework centers. I've done them too. <laughs> um, but maybe, so let's do this. Of We never do homework. Homework's super hard. Um, It's always a fight. So we're going to, our long-term goal is we don't want homework to be a fight anymore. We want Timmy to come in, sit down, do his homework without Mm -hmm. argument. Um, Is that realistic? I don't really know. Um, It depends on the kids. Sometimes that's not a realistic goal. That might be the Mm -hmm. long-term goal. So then we break it up into smaller goals. Okay, so our goal is this week... Measurable. So here's where it's measurable. We know five out of five days, or maybe six out of six days, if we're doing homework on Sundays. Um, homework is a fight, and it takes us thirty minutes. So we want on one of those days for homework to take us twenty minutes to get started instead. So how are we going to achieve that? We're going to mm-hmm. set the expectation every single day. So every single day that we're doing homework, we're going to set the expectation of when you get home, you can have 10 minutes on the iPad. I'm going to set a kitchen timer, show it to you. And then we're going to do homework. And we're going to have this conversation over and over again. We're going to do homework. We're going to do homework. Um, And we're going to use timers. So then in order to achieve this goal that on one day, it's going to take us five minutes less of an argument. um, That's realistic that we're going to set a timer every single time, try every single time. And then when Timmy does start his homework, say he's motivated by 
attention, positive attention. So I'm going mm-hmm. to cheer like heck and say, yes, you did it. I'm so proud of you for getting started. And then, mm-hmm. and so we're rewarding him when he does that first step. That he's Even if it takes 35 minutes, that's not our goal. We're not going to say, oh, Timmy, it's okay. We're going to try again tomorrow. We're going to be super excited. Yes, you started your homework. Now that's if Timmy's excited by um, or motivated by attention. Right. He's not motivated by attention. He's motivated by external rewards. Then we're going to offer him a small token, um, nothing major, um, but we're going to offer him some sort of external reward for getting his homework done. Okay. Like maybe bubble gum or yes, five minutes on the, on the computer that's just playtime or something like that. Correct. Yeah. And then making sure if a kid isn't extrinsically motivated that he's not losing rewards or she, um, that they are not losing rewards that they've earned. So once you've yeah. earned it, it is yours. You're not taking away that that reward. I, I agree with you. And I think that's a really important point to make because I, I see a lot of parents, they, they like to take things away. And I'm not a fan of punishment at all. Right. I, I think, you know, you just punishment just takes things the wrong direction and and it should never happen. And that's where you lose motivation when you start punishing. Yeah. And I think, you know, certain consequences are appropriate. There are some kids who the tablet is the only thing that motivates them. So they're going to lose their tablet till they start, but then they're going to earn their tablet back when they get started. But that's different than punishment. That's, that's different. Yeah. That's different than punishment. I have a real problem with punishment, not consequences, punishment. Punishments are punitive. (laughs) Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Dana, is there anything that you'd like to add? Uh, the only thing I was just going to say with um, teachers is one of the things in, in therapy with Har- um, you know, with Harrison is that he, um, we found out by after taking him to brain balance is that audit- um, he doesn't pick up things um, through hearing very well. He misses a large amount of it. And... And so um, we found, so, so not all kids communicate the, the same way. You know, sometimes they need to see something or read it versus hearing. Um, so if you know that about your child, you know, letting, um, you know, commun- obviously communicating, communication with the teacher is going to be key. And, you know, gosh, teachers have it so hard. I mean, think if you have 28 kids. And they all have different learning styles and different things and trying to, you know, know that about every single child, you know, I mean, they have, they have their work cut out for them for sure. So anything that we can do as parents to make it easier for them by giving them those, you know, tips and tricks, and maybe it is, you know, uh, writing something, you know, down for your child um, instead of just verbally, you know, speaking it. No, I, I agree. I think teaching was a tough job to begin with. It is an extremely tough job right now during the pandemic and between being a tough job. And then now that the kids are struggling and parents are struggling, it's, it's almost an impossible job. So I think anything that we can do to motivate kids to stay on track and help parents stay on track and help reduce the stress of teachers, I think is is just uh, a very important task. I really want to thank you for joining us late, Dana. I really appreciate you being here because you always add so much value to our conversation. 
And I want to thank Dr. Sarah Bald for, for joining us uh, today as well, because I know she's brought Little Briar with her. So we have, uh, we have an extra guest today. So welcome, Briar. Um, thank you. So, she's yeah, I, this time. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, ladies. I, I really can't uh, thank you enough for, for the perspective that you bring and for the knowledge and, and um, information that you share so willingly. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we will talk about recommendations and real-life approaches that you can take to really help your student uh, become more motivated, help teachers and parents um, even more than we've already talked about. So um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email is on my website, and you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Make sure you register for our um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Executive Function Magazine, as well as uh, you can listen to our radio show and podcast on there, and you can look at our um, YouTube channel as well. Dana, would you like to give your contact information? Sure. Uh, my, you can go to my website at surprisedatechallenge.com, or you can email me at Dana at surprisedatechallenge.com. And Sarah, would you like to share your contact information as well? Absolutely. I have contact for my website. It is nestpsychaz.com. That is the quickest way to reach me. And we'll be back after these messages. Thank you for listening. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fazia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fozzie works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fozzie, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fozzie Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. Um, so today we are talking to Dr. Sarah Bald and Dana Lamb about motivation and how to motivate children. Um, so welcome, ladies. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad you both could make it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about real-life um, applications, real-life approaches, recommendations on what we can do as parents and teachers to really um, 
help students, help kids become more motivated. Um, so we had talked a little bit about this already before the break, um, but I'd like to talk more specifically about, you know, I think communication is a really um, important part of motivation. Communication, I think, is, is essential. Um, and I think parent-teacher communication is probably, you know, absolutely necessary. Um, but what about teacher and student, teacher and child? What do you think about that type of uh, relationship? I know what I think of it. I'm just curious what you think of it. I mean, I think it, it sets the tone of the school day. Um, how that yeah. how that interaction is, how that relationship is. Well, I mean, it'll set the school day. It'll set the entire school year. Right. Um, so yeah. if there's not a yeah. good relationship, it's going to be a tough year. Yeah. Or if you're the teacher for some reason doesn't bond or click with your kid or, or the child doesn't with the, you know, with the teacher, because, you know, I know that that is, has been um, an issue sometimes for my kids where they, you know, sometimes don't even want to go to school because mm-hmm. um, they don't really um, like their teacher or they find um, the content boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that teachers can do, because teachers are so overwhelmed, and it's, yeah. it takes a lot for them to, to sit down with students one-on-one, but I think one of the most important things they can do every day is greet each and every student, just sitting at their desk and saying, good morning, Bobby, good morning, Timmy, good morning, Sarah, and just really acknowledging them individually. Um, that was, you know, that was a very important thing for me when I did my teaching in a classroom, uh, making sure that you make that eye contact, make that connection with each individual, asking them how their weekend was, asking the, you know, taking those few little moments that you have one-on-one and making them really count by showing your student that you care. I, I, I can't emphasize enough how important that is because so many kids, you know, have issues at home and maybe their parents don't care that much about what motivates them. Maybe their parents don't care that much about them in general. So it's it's a really important relationship that parent, I'm sorry, that teacher-child relationship. So I think letting students know that you care, um, I think, is a huge motivator. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we never know what a kid is going through when they come into our office or into our classroom. We have no idea mm-hmm. what their morning looked like. We have no idea what their home situation looks like. You know, when I worked in the schools uh, for my internship doing school psychology, there were a few kids who were labeled the problem kids and they were in my office all the time. Um, but we do this community outreach day and I went with another teacher into home and this child had no floors. Um, it was mm. broken up concrete and unfinished flooring and, they were so excited we were there and so excited to show the new puppies that the, the family dog had just had. Um, oh, my. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, it was an eye-opening experience for, for myself and for this teacher of, okay, so you are probably seeking attention throughout the school day. You've learned negative behavior gets you attention. And so that that's why you are who you are, and that's that's why you struggle every day in the classroom. So just just remembering that we have no idea what these kids are going through, no idea what their day looks like when they're not in our office. Um, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I remember um, 
my older son were, uh, went to this, um, I can't remember, he, uh, his high school, they had this camp that they went to for the weekend. And, you know, he came home and he said, wow, mom, I just, I, he, he realized how lucky he was because they had all the kids line up in a line and they would say, they would ask a question. They would say, um, you know, if you, if you have books, if you have more than 10 books in your house, take a step forward. If you don't have any books, you know, if you have less than 10 books in your home, take a step back. Um, if you've ever gone to bed, you know, hungry, you know, take a step back. And, or, or if you've ever been beaten by your parents or, I mean, different, like they were asking, like all of this stuff was supposed to be confidential. Like they all had to swear they wouldn't go to school and share all of this. And, you know, Ethan goes, mom, he goes, the worst thing that, you know, happened to me was that, you know, my parents got divorced. He said, Mm -hmm. you know, he said, I, he goes, he was amazed that some of his close friends, he didn't even know, like some of these things. Yeah. Well, because kids are no different than adults. They want to put on their best face. They want to make sure that their friends like them. Right. And they're not going to share their negative experiences. Because that could be embarrassing. You know, maybe somebody wouldn't like them for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, it's really heartbreaking what some kids go through. I actually was reading a story. I don't remember where I read the story, but... Um, it was a teacher's perspective and the teacher asked this little girl how she looks sad. She's like, Oh, you look sad today. You know, how's everything going? You know? Um, and the little girl said something to the effect of, well, um, I'm sad because my mom died yesterday and I came to school because I didn't know where else to go. Oh, oh God. And I thought, doesn't that kind of put it in perspective? She came to school because her teacher cared and she felt safe there. Uh-huh. That that is that is speaking loudly. I think about what an important job teachers have besides just teaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's power too in just commenting on a child's emotion, like that teacher did. I mean, just making the comment mm-hmm. of "you look X Y Z today" can that they notice it open up. Right. Because we're all so busy and especially teachers are busy and she could have just been going about her day, but to notice those small nuances like that and to comment. Well, I I remember when I had a classroom, one of the first things I did every morning was everyone had to share something about their, their evening or their morning, you know, their evening, the night before their morning. And everyone, you know, like looked for things to share and most everybody shared something positive, but there's this little boy his name was Johnny and he always like would pass. <laughs> like he didn't want to share. He always would pass. And I always felt so sad for him because I thought, you know, he couldn't find one good thing to share with the classroom. And, and he didn't have to share a good thing. He could have shared a negative thing. He could have just said, you know, uh, my brother stole my toy or something. It didn't, it didn't really matter to me what he said. I just wanted them to kind of bond. But for him, he always passed because he, he just couldn't feel comfortable. And mm-hmm. so I think that's why it's really important that teachers take time to really get to know their students, um, to really help them feel at home, feel comfortable so that they can share who they really are. And, and, and I think that right there can help them with the goal setting and, you know, their listening skills. I mean, there's so many things that can just take off from that one relationship that could make life better for these kids. 
the relationship is going to be a big driving factor in, in motivation. You're going to see higher motivation rates if, it, if there's a relationship. You are so right. I, I, I have students that come to me, and you probably see this too, who do not have good relationships with their teachers, and those are the classes that they're failing. Yeah. And, and they can't get out of those classes because if they're in high school, it's required and it's only, you know, it's the one math class that they have to take for graduation or it's the one science class that they can't get another teacher for. And it's just, it's really sad to me that they're stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there should be an option for them. Yeah. So if you were to give one bit of information, uh, one recommendation to parents or teachers um, on how to motivate their children, what would it be? What, what would be your top um, recommendation? I think my top recommendation would be a how to motivate or my top thing for parents and teachers. Um, mine is that it is developmentally appropriate for kids to be extrinsically motivated. They will get to the point, maybe not all humans achieve this, but they'll get to the point where they are intrinsically motivated later in life. Right now, when they're kids, when they're little, it's developmentally completely appropriate for them to be extrinsically motivated. So we might want them to want to do well, to want to strive to be their best selves. They might not be that yet, and that's okay. They don't have to be yet. Um, they'll, they'll get there. Because they may not understand the importance of why they need to get an A in every class or why they need to show up every day. Yeah. And when we think about things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that we need our basic needs to be met before we can even consider altruistic tendencies. Um, but then kids, too, that theory of mind of others have different perspectives, others think things differently than me, that develops later. There's a whole gamut of reasons, even brain development, of why Absolutely. kids aren't intrinsically motivated at 5, 6, 10, 15. <laughs> but it can be a 35. wide range depending on the maturity level. Absolutely. <laughs> 35, 50, you know, yeah. exactly. <laughs> what about so, you, Dana? What's, what's yeah. your last uh, tidbit of uh, advice or recommendation? Well, I would think, you know, just most importantly that, you know, what works for one child isn't going to necessarily work for another child, that we're all unique human beings and learning, um, learning, um, you know, having a lot of tools in your toolbox and trying different ones and seeing which one works the best with each individual person. And I think that works for, you know, I think that can work in marriage or relationships too, or colleagues even, you know, so, you know, trying instead of just getting irritated, like with, you know, this one way has to, has to work. Um, if, If something isn't working, you can try it a few times and try something else. And, you know, until you try, try again until you succeed and find something, um, that may work with that external motivation. (laughs) Absolutely. I, I think the most important thing that I see in motivation is, is as a parent or as a teacher is to just care about the kid. Um, let them know you're on their side. Just let them know that you are there for them and that you care about them. And I think everything else can find its, its way. Um, so I just want to thank everyone for listening today. I want to thank Dr. Sarah Bold and Dana Lamb for joining me. 
Um, if you'd like to get a hold of Dr. Sarah Bald, um, Sarah, would you like to give your contact information? Absolutely. You can reach me on my website, nestpsychaz.com. And Dana Lamb, thank you for joining me as well. And would you like to give your contact information? Yes, you can reach me at surprisedatechallenge.com. Thank you so much, ladies. I really want to thank my listeners all around the world. You guys make my heart feel really warm. Um, it's, It's just a really wonderful tidbit of knowledge to know that people around the world listen to our show and see value in it. So um, if there's a specific topic that you'd like to hear about, please email me um, at executive function. You can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com and on the contact tab at the very bottom, you can email me directly. You can also um, let me know what you'd like Dr. Sarah Bald to write her article about, or her next article. You can, <laughs> which I think should be, uh, I, I love that. And then, um, you know, feel free to read, uh, subscribe to our uh, magazine, Executive Function Magazine. You can definitely subscribe to that there. You can listen to the podcast on the uh, radio or the radio show live as well on the uh, website. And you can go to our YouTube channel through the website as well. If you have any questions about the show or if you have topics you'd like us to um, address, uh, please let us know. And once again, I really appreciate your listening um, and I really appreciate uh, Dr. Sarah Bald uh, with Briar and Dana Lamb joining us today. So thank you so much, ladies, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.